So we are going to start with broadcast news uh, because that is the movie, Derek, that you chose for me to watch. A movie um, that, because I stalk you on Facebook, I find out you have not watched in like two decades, which probably means you watched it when you were like three years old, uh, because I know that you are a baby to this world of ours. So <laughs> so, insulting. So, so this is a movie that, you know, I, of course, has been kind of in my awareness. 15 seconds. Lay it in, Bobby. Back it up. We're not going to make it. Whoops. Whoops. Stand by, please. Five seconds. Behind the scenes is a great reporter. The first shots were fired about 10 seconds ago. Over towards the east. Behind a great reporter is a brilliant producer. What? No, you'll do it. Do it, or I'll fry your fat ass. I had no idea she was this good. But in front of them all is a perfect face. Broadcast News. Tom should say the F-14 is one of the hardest planes to fly. The F-14 is one of the most difficult planes to master. Isn't the F-14 one of the most difficult machines for a pilot to master? I say it here, it comes out there. You knew just when to feed me the next line. There was like a rhythm we got into. It was like great sex. Well, I felt something. You're not well-educated, you have almost no experience, and you can't write. And I'm making a fortune. I know I don't respect him, so what am I saying to you? You're saying stay away from him. I can't be. What do you do when your real life exceeds your dreams? Keep it to yourself. Tom, while being a very nice guy, (laughs) is the devil. At least kiss me when you do that. You just can't stop editing me, huh? He personifies everything that you've been fighting against. And I'm in love with you. They know everything that's happening in the world, except what they mean to each other. Get ready? Why? And cue them. Go. For a long, long time, and just like, okay, you got to watch broadcast news, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I watched watched Network. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? And I watched... uh, the Redford, Dustin Hoffman, you know, the Watergate mm. movie. I watched that, you know, all like I've watched, men. yeah, all the yeah. President's Men. I've watched all these. Do I really need to? And of course, you know, people like our good friend, quote unquote friend, Mike, <laughs> uh, who was supposed to be here on this episode, but I decided I cannot possibly deal with scheduling with both of you. Um, so I'm just, I'm just going to get Derek in here. Derek's the important one. He's the co-host, so we gotta we gotta make this happen. Thank you for um, inviting so, me. To partially much. <laughs> yes, and you know when we were first gonna do this months ago, when we were set to do it, I'm actually kind of mm. glad we waited because the timing was gonna be really shitty because it was right around yeah. the time that William Hurt died, um, and of course all these horrible stories resurfaced mm-hmm. about him mm-hmm. essentially being a rapist like that's yes. rapist within relationships and if you've watched this movie you know it's very uncomfortable to watch knowing that because there's a whole plot line about him reporting on date rapes and fake crying and i was like oh god if i had watched this 10 years ago this would have been uh, a different experience but we will get to that but basically this is you know one of those behind the scenes of a network news 
broadcast. Um, Star studded, directed by James L. Brooks. That I was deci- I was very surprised when I looked. Hmm. James L. Brooks like only directed six movies. Uh, very short career, but like you know, as good as it gets. Terms of Endearment. This um, I think there's a movie called I'll Do Anything with Nick Nolte. Um, and you know, so not very many films, but some real. Real great ones in there. Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of shocking to me. Of course, we've got, you know, Albert Brooks, Holly Hunter, William Hurt. This is star-studded. Um, so as you rewatch this, I assume you rewatch this for the podcast. I never want to make assumptions. But, <laughs> but it had been a long time for you. So I know, at least for me, if it's been at least 10 years since I've watched something and it's not something I watched on repeat, it's kind of like a first watch. You're like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember that. So was it like that for you? Uh, like you said, you do stalk me, and um, which is no surprise. And I had said something about I hadn't seen this film in about 20 years. That was probably a little bit of a stretch. It's closer to 15, so I was probably eight, to your hmm. point. On um, when I talk or when you I talk? was. Uh, yeah, I try to be weathered. Like oh. Dave. And <laughs> Just trying to be old like yeah, me. I get go. it. We are very cool. And I've done it. some damage and still. <laughs> so, you know, so this freaking movie. All right. So I had, um, uh, it had like, or like I was saying, it had been a long time since I had seen it. And I recalled, uh, enjoying it. Um, uh, but if you'd asked me anything that actually happened, I would say, oh, there's this, uh, kind of a, like a love, mm-hmm. uh, triangle, kind of thing at a news station. I, uh, yeah. And, uh, poor <laughs> Albert Brooks is, uh, getting shat on throughout. That's the only thing I remember. Uh, and so when I started watching it, man, my, I, man, my heart really goes out to him. We'll talk about that, I guess. But so I, I went back and, uh, upon rewatch realized not only had I not remembered a single thing about this movie, um, like, I don't remember even a lot of the big ideas uh, about it. Yeah. Like you said, to your point, if you've gotten past 10 years or something like that and you've not watched it multiple times, it was a, a, it was a completely like fresh watch. And you know how it gets when you're, when you're podcasting and it's like, okay, I have to watch X number of films. And it's like, all right, can I like almost one and a half this? Like, can I speed this up just a little bit? I've already seen this movie before. No big deal. I, I couldn't do that with this um, because it felt so new and fresh. And uh, dare I say, to your point uh, about hurt, uncomfortable, very uncomfortable um, throughout. And I found myself somewhere between uh, a level of pure enjoyment every time he was on screen and also pure cringe. Was that was that you? Yeah, man, it, uh, like, this is gonna come off terrible, right? Because it's, it sounds like you're apologizing for a fucking rapist. But, like, when you watch a performance like this that is nearly perfect, sure. it's so uncomfortable when you're like, but he's a fucking monster, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be enjoying this, but he is wildly charming on screen. And kind of has been for his entire career, yeah. which I think why when all this stuff came out, Again, um, and it makes you think about what a different time we live in. Like if this had, if all this stuff with William Hurt had happened in real time sure. with the internet and all that, it's a, I think it's a different experience. But that's what I think made it so surprising 
when all this stuff comes out because you don't we don't like to think of our matinee idols our most charming beautiful people doing monstrous things but here we fucking are man and it, yeah so i definitely had that experience and the other thing i noticed about his performance is not only back then in 1987 but now how many movies have a mimbo like a male bimbo like just dumb as shit like just and he's not he's not cruel Sure. He's that mean. He's just he's just fucking dumb. And I love the way the movie sets all these characters up. Like you see them as kids, mm-hmm. and like him as a kid in his little red it's hat. Like they, we, we get to see each archetype, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I don't know what to do when people just say I'm beautiful. It's hard. <laughs> and it's like, and that's and he doesn't mean it in a way like feel sorry for me. Right. It's just like I actually don't know how to react. And he spends his whole life that way, and eventually starts you know taking advantage of the fact that he's good looking and gets jobs because of it and that is a very real thing but he's not proud of it no he's hypersensitive (laughs) about he's like oh man yeah yeah, i just i stink at this and i'm not good at this and all that stuff and that stuff ends up feeling really genuine and usually the genders would be flipped here Mm. right you'd have the quote-unquote pretty dumb blonde which you have here but usually it's a woman and then the man behind the scenes is like god this fucking idiot i just wish she knew fucking two plus two and then we could do our jobs and it's totally flipped here and you never see that so it's really it ends up being very endearing because it's something we don't usually see and then we have the less stereotypically good-looking man who's very good at his job minus the intense amount of sweat uh that he exudes like he's so good at his job and you're like if this was truly truly a meritocracy like we want our world to be like sports uh, yeah yeah well (laughs) he would he would get his he would get this anchor job sure but that's not the way life works right a big part of being on screen is being good looking like people have to like looking at you there's a reason we're podcasting and not on YouTube yes, right now. Correct. There you go. Correct. Correct. And if you're a news anchor, like literally the whole screen is just your face. Like that's mm. so you better be pleasant to look at. You better not be sweating your makeup off. So I like that we have that here. Um and I like the arc of all of these characters because I love the fact that there's no it's not that they're not redeeming. All these characters are redeeming in one way or another, mm. but there's no perfect character, right? right. They all have dramatic faults. Right? Like, yeah. Go ahead. I was just thinking, for its time, and to your point, there are two things that really like stick out to me. One, it's uh, character wise, all of them very nuanced, and mm-hmm. it's incredibly progressive, right? Like, to your point, yes. like, this is the same era as Baby Boom. Right, um, where a and classic I classic of the form. There we a go. Classic. My 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 love, Diane Keaton. Uh, I oh, mentioned this her. in a class the other day. Um, she can with, have it all, <laughs> Dave. In Baby Boom, that's Dave, like the whole Dave thing Dave. in that. Movie. Oh yes, yes, of course. That's what. Yes, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> you know, playing like Ti in my some, head. Like you can have whatever you like. You got you I'm got just, some Albert Brooks in you, man. man. You're sweating. <laughs> <laughs> He's sweating. That's what I am. Um, so, <laughs> to your, oh, man, it's been a long time since we've recorded. We're, it has. It we'll, has. we'll get back to it. We'll get back into the swing of things. So you were saying you brought this up in your class. Yeah, well, just the idea of a you know the premise of a woman having to choose and that being 
um, the entire framework through which you create this this piece of film, uh, wouldn't, it's not going to get remade, right? Like in the present, because like a lot of the the uh, students uh, in class, they're like, "What the fuck? Why would you even right. have to do that?" And I think this this film kind of uh, provides us with a similar uh, kind of tilting these gender ideas on its head. To your point, if the film was about like the Jack Nicholson character, like his era you would probably see more of of those like stereotypic uh like cliched ideas of like yes uh, i'm going to smack the secretary like on the way to x y and z and that's not holly hunter's character at all right, right. like and to your point none of their characters fall it within these cuz we've seen films like this before right especially if you go like to the specifically romantic angles of it right. of the the reacher and the settler and that's that's constantly mm-hmm. the person in the background and hopefully the the best friend sees um you know the worth in that person and their heart and overlooks the fact that uh, they have a jufro or whatever right like these things matter. that's not the case here because it's far too uh, the depth Right of their relationships and their lives, their lives and the flawed nature of those very things. Right. That's what's way more interesting about this than if uh, Albert Brooks finally proves uh, to Holly or to Jane's character uh, that he's you know that he's legit, that he really loves her. It's not even about that, like at right. all. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think I, I think she knows. She like that's not a surprise. Like she's she's kind of struck by the fact that he actually says it out loud when he says it. But she's not an idiot. Is it know? because she she finds him to be so weak uh, when it comes? Like he would never really step to me. I've never seen you like this with anybody. So don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil. This isn't friendship. You're crazy, you know that? What do you think the devil's going to look like if he's around? God. Come on, no one's going to be taken in by a guy with a long red pointy tail. Come on, what's he going to sound like? (laughs) No. I'm semi-serious here. You're serious? He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen. And he'll get all the great women. Hey, Aaron! I think you're the devil! You know I'm not! Because I think we have the kind of friendship where if I were the devil, you'd be the only one I would tell. Well, you were awfully quick to run after Tom's help. When All right, you fine. Help. Yes. And if things had gone well for me tonight, then I probably wouldn't be saying any of this. I grant you everything. But give me this. He personifies everything that you've been fighting against. And I'm in love. How do you like that? I buried the lead. I've got to not say that out loud. It takes too much out of me. I mean, he not, not like Tom. He literally, Tom. Tom. He, 
Tom yes, touched my yes. breast outside. Did you want to do that or no? No. Yeah. I and here's the thing: they all have tremendous faults. Like she, to the point where she sends another woman off to Alaska so she can she can flirt in peace. <laughs> like that is not the coolest move. Uh, not the most progressive move either. And then you know you've got Albert Brooks' character who is pretty weak, right? He's He's kind of like, I mean, he's yeah. kind of like a, now you would look at him as kind of like an incel type stereotype character, you know? Uh, yeah. He, totally, incel simping kind of thing. Yeah. When he finally admits to this and when she shoots him down or things go wrong other ways, he gets really cruel. He gets really mean. Like when he's talking about their future. Mm. And of course it's 1987. Not that, not that <laughs> folks who are overweight are not constantly the the butt of jokes now like that's like the yeah. one group where it's like it's fine to say that like that's that's the that's sure. the point he makes is like i'm gonna be married i'm gonna be happy and you're gonna be fat and single and it's like jesus that's and then of course you have william Hurt's character who's like you know acting like he's sad about date rape when he's really not and talk about you know and she kind of talks about the lack of integrity that goes into that yeah. and how awful that is so there's no character here who's perfect right usually in in a movie like this uh, right. especially one that's a you know a romance and a, a love triangle and all that there's usually one person where you're like oh that's the one she or he should choose right that's the but neither of these are the best sure. right i think i think it's easy to it depends on right. what you're after in a relationship there are good and bad parts of both of these men for sure and from a script level like this is fantastic like this is one of the the greatest movie scripts out there like there's not really a lot of waste here a lot of time in a movie especially a movie that's over two hours long usually there's some moments where you're like okay we don't do we really need to go into this but i don't feel like that's here there's not a lot of fat here on this script what about joan cusack running in a montage I guess that that sticks out to some people, I guess. I don't know, but... Yes, to some people. But to defend some people, that is an important moment to show us that Holly Hunter's character can perform under pressure. Like, that is where she's really at her best. And I, So I wanted to ask you what you thought about this choice that the script and Holly Hunter make, her crying, uh, when she's like that to me, it feels like just like, okay, I cannot possibly release any emotion when I'm on the clock. Yeah. So anytime I get a chance, I'm just going to let this leak out. What did you think? Cause when I first watched it, cause I rewatched it for this cause we had originally planned months ago. So I was like, Ooh, I kind of remember this, but let me just refresh my memory a little bit. And I really, the first time I watched it, I, at the start, I was a little like put off by i was like what is happening here but then as the movie goes i think you get at least i got the idea of what they were going for and it was fine but it it is a a strange decision what was i guess the question what was off-putting to you about that scene initially um because i think initially when i watched it it was one of those ones like, did something happen that we don't know about like is there some trauma that she is going through that She's not showing anyone. It's a weird choice for a movie to do that out of nowhere and not explain it. Not that people don't break down crying for quote unquote no reason all the time. It does happen. But movie structure is different than life structure, right? Like we want, if we're going to show that, there's a reason we're showing it. So what the fuck is it? You're saying you want your handheld. 
to an explanation. Is yes. That, yes. That that's right. That's correct. That's correct. Make it make sense. <laughs> well, so we're, Derek. We're, we're talking about the scene where she's crying immediately after she realizes that she's fucked up and that she does in fact have feelings for Tom, right? That But that's not that's not the first time it happens. It happens very early in the movie. The first time it's like 15 minutes in. Like, it's like a stress yeah. relief. So, like, that moment makes perfect okay. sense, even in a vacuum. But, like, all the stuff leading up to it, it's kind of like, well, what is I do, happening here? I do think, contextually, like, once you get further along with her character, like, you recognize that she can't express, especially being a woman in this particular position that she's in, in 1980-whatever, 87, um, it's not appropriate in any way for her to express any sort of emotion other than anger. And even then, if she expresses anger, then she's a bitch, right? She's not wielding power based off of the, you know, the, the lens that they would have. So there probably are a lot of moments in which she has to have a, almost say, uh, I used to say this in therapy, giving herself a clearance to grieve, but in a private place, um, right. behind closed doors and, I, I I do th- kind of like the idea that initially they don't tell us why that it occurs, but that it's just her thing yeah. and it has to happen away from everyone else. So it's like we get to be vulnerable with her, but no one else does because no one else will respect right. or have a level of, of, of um, awareness or sensitivity that that doesn't mean that she's a weak character. In fact, she's still the strongest actual character in the, in the film, even though she is flawed. Yeah. Um, I One of the things I, I, I kept thinking about with all three of them, is it's it is middle aged insecurities, right? That have not been resolved ever, like in their entire lives. Mm-hmm. That's all this film really is about. If you strip it down to just right. a character study, these all three of them um, are so ashamed of some level of insecurity or something that they're insecure about, um, to the point that they uh, almost overcompensate in every possible way. And uh, it, you know, I think what makes uh, you know Jane and Albert Brooks's character, which that that shows you how how little he does matter. I remember Tom's name, right, because of the face. But <laughs> yeah, the hot white man. You yeah, remember. there we go. Uh, <laughs> the Jewish guy, not interested. I thought he was Italian. He's Jewish. Aaron. Oh, Aaron. Oh, Aaron. Aaron is a Jewish name, right? Yes. Is that a, what's his last name? What it was is. his last name? Alt- it starts with an A. Oh. Aaron Altman. Yeah, it's a good it's a good newscaster name, which all the more shame. But is there anything better alliterative like thing? for a uh, boomer generation to be a white man named Tom? Like that's just I mean, he yeah. just fits every I, I'm he just thinking Tom. He does. You, you immediately go like bro call. There you go. Like it's just Yeah, yeah that's but, true. Um, that's yeah, I, I don't know. We're we're completely off the rails again. This is all my fault. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't take no. long. It's so there's there's two moments in this movie uh, that involve Tom that I just love and I think sets it over the top as a great movie because it would be very easy um, for him to have a bad reaction uh, to Aaron, right? Because you know he's kind of a prick and he doesn't like him. So why why should I do anything for you? But that scene where he coaches him through being an anchor is like actually kind of yeah. sweet where he's like giving him tips. Like, this is what you need to do. See, this is what I'm good at. You're good at actually knowing things <laughs> and expressing it, but I'm good at the face, the posture. This is, this is what you need to do. And I love that moment. And then at the end, when the layoffs happen, I just, I, I don't even think I really took it in the first time I watched it, but I just got finished watching it. And I was like, Holy hmm. shit, what a great moment where they're saying goodbye. 
And Tom tells him, I'm going to miss you. You're kind of a prick in a good way, but but I'm going to miss you. And <laughs> this character never says, I'll miss you too. <laughs> he thanks him because of how it makes him right. sound. But then he just he pat, pats him on the shoulder and walks away. And I love that moment that he they don't fall into the cliched stuff of like, well, we're from different sides of the track, but we really understand each other now. Like, no, I still don't fucking like you. Can you can make... I, well, yeah, go ahead. I still think you're... I still think, as he says, you're the mm-hmm. devil. Like, you are actually everything that's wrong. Like, he even walks in when they're doing the date rape piece <laughs> and is kind of like, is someone turn on the news? Because uh, that's not what this is. And I was like, Jesus, you've really blown the cover off of Nookie. I think it's his that was the That was the one moment where I was like, that's the least cringe that I've felt this entire time because I just want this off my screen. But if I'm sitting in there in yeah. that room and you had, you had women from like uh, Joan Cusack's age all the way up to these old women that are like, thank God yep. there's someone uh, in a position of power someone is to here speak for to us. these things. <laughs> and, and Aaron yeah. walks in and is like, Get this shit off my TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, incredible. But that's, yeah, it makes sense. I, Aaron, like to your point, Aaron's character is consistent. He will die always thinking someone like a Tom is an, is, um, um, an, a, an idiot football player who kicked him in the dirt. He will never believe yep. that those people are actually subject to change or that they're intelligent. And I think, you know, and this is the point that you made. This film really does speak to uh, kind of the the multiple intelligences and the ways in which we assess who is um, intellectual about a particular thing because the entire film pats on the back the idea that, you know, uh, Aaron is, is so good with words and he's articulate, things of that nature. But that scene where he and Tom are together and Tom's showing him, actually in this particular area of expertise and intelligence, um, the aesthetic, right, the... I am way smarter than you are. Like I am way, it is, it, it's way more intuitive to me. Like I have an awareness. It doesn't take me much, uh, but there's a, you have to be intelligent about how to present yourself. And I don't think that's one of, I think that's one of the, uh, the uh, negatives about maybe Aaron's intelligence is he has like dark spots. Right. And and if it's something that's of no importance to him, uh, then he puts no value in it. Like whatsoever. Right. Uh, with, right. And so, right. yeah, it, they have a really interesting relationship to where even if even if Holly Hunter's character had been gone for like three weeks covering something else, I would have loved to have just seen them have to interact for a long period of time. Yeah. And you can't say that about yeah, a lot of absolutely. movies where you pull one of them out of the of the three and right. it would still be riveting. Especially she's she's the hinge point. Right, right. Right? Like she's like, you know, in re- relationship definitional terms, they would call this like if they were all in a relationship together, this would be a V, yeah. right? Like one person is the focus of these two other people. And yet these characters are, as you mentioned, nuanced enough, deep enough, well-written enough that if you remove an entire third of this Mm. movie, it's still inherently watchable and absolutely works. And I I think it's true of any of these characters. You remove one of them and the the two that are left are interesting enough that we're going to we're going to really stick with it. Like it's better the way sure. it is, obviously, right? There's a reason it is what it is. But and one of the things about the arc of this movie that I love that I noticed this time. There's a scene in the very beginning where um 
are, you know, Aaron and Holly Hunter's character out in the, you know, out in the wilderness in Central America, right? Following this kind of guerrilla team. And someone tells him, like, oh, put on the shoes and we'll get tape of that, right? And she freaks out and is like, no, that's not what we do, right? We report what's here. We don't stick our nose in it and make them do things because it's going to work for dramatic effect. If he does that on his own, fine. No problem. We will use it. But there's a line we don't cross. And then you see that the journey that she goes on by falling in love with the devil, <laughs> tall, attractive white man who abuses women. Oh, wait, that's real Dave, life. That's not in this. Crossing but, the street. <laughs> she, she follows that. And she kind of falls hard. And then she realizes not only is he not right for her, whatever that means, but he's doing exactly what she thinks is not okay, right? He's becoming a part of the story instead of reporting the story. He's like, yeah, turn the camera on me. I can fake cry. It's fine. We're salesmen anyway. That's our job. And for someone to disrespect a career you're passionate about, I love the fact that in the middle of this, she's like, you know what? No, I can't. This is my hard line here. I am leaving. I am not going with you, even though it would be fun to be with an attractive sexual partner in paradise, I'm leaving you at the airport because we're not doing this because I have to walk away from this with some level of respect for myself and for the career that I have chosen. And if I make this choice by being with you, I never have a leg to stand on again. And that is a powerful moment, man. If you're someone who cares about your career, who is not just doing it because it's a paycheck, but you're doing it because like, no, no, this is what I'm, what I want to be doing. And if you have someone, and I've experienced that where I've had someone who I worked with who like doesn't actually care about being a therapist and you watch them, you're like, this is insulting that you have the same or more power than I do because you clearly don't care about the work that we do. So watching that, I was just kind of like, yeah, good. That's the right decision. Did you have a similar reaction to her leaving? Because it's like, it's a tough one, yeah. right? Because she goes all the way to the airport and then finally just goes, eh, you know, I, mm <laughs> And then takes off. So so what did you think about the ending she, of this? Well, movie? it speaks to Aaron being right about everything, quite honestly, right? The entire time, he, it, as annoying as he was, he was in the background saying to her, and he even said, after he cooled down a little bit, and he was like, I'll speak to you as your friend and not the man who's in love with you. I got to say that again, <laughs> like, like I can really do those things. Um, but he expresses to her like he is you. What he is reminding her of is that ultimately she's a gatekeeper to their field. Right. And that's what you were talking about. It is, uh, you know, if, if you have a certain level of, of respect for what you do and there's a certain level of integrity that you have to engage in, when you see that compromise, you have to call that out. And when you don't, um, in some way, you are inherently co-signing that behavior that's going to jeopardize what you do. And it, it, which is funny, though, at the same time. And I know that it, it's not a true comparison, but the idea that she doesn't want to, to compromise on presenting things as they are and not manipulating things. Uh, she still takes the shoulder pads out of her jacket, puts them in Albert Brooks and says, <laughs> yes. uh, this, these aren't your real shoulders, but now you look like a man. So she doesn't care about that. That's okay, though. I'll compromise there. I'll, uh, yeah, what? That's fine. That's fine. But yeah, I, I do agree that it's in line with her character. And to, to the same point that we made about, um, 
uh, about Albert Brooks, right? Like that he would, he will ultimately not compromise who he is. He believes that uh, if this, this, this Tom guy is an asshole, he will stay an asshole and I have to treat him as such. And we like that. So I think we also like the fact that she ultimately cannot compromise on her hard line and who she is and who she was, you know, when her father walked up to her room and she was a little girl and she, she's, you know, uh, just, she looks like she's, um, uh, got ADHD. I mean, she's rattling off like a hundred words a minute, right? She's consistent and it would have been an inconsistent turn in her character if she had went with him. And just said, you know what? No, it doesn't matter. These things that I have invested my entire life into, man, but he's got nice teeth, right? Like that. Yeah. Good hair, hair. tall. Which is so funny because, you know, (laughs) in in, in retrospect, we're looking at this and we're like, his hair kind of sucks too, right? Like, Yeah. It's, yep, 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 yep. The other thing I like about the ending, nobody ends up with anybody. Mm. It's a love triangle that utterly fails on every level. None of them end up with each other. Usually in a movie like this, one of the the couples will couple up and then it'll be like, okay, now we got to figure out how we involve this other person in our life as a friend and can that work? And this way he's like, no, actually, all of you are damaged beyond repair and you're going to have to figure it out after you go your separate ways. After Jack Nicholson won't take a pay cut and it's just like, fuck all you peons. Um, yeah, it's really well, sad, I guess. That's totally just Jack Nicholson, to... right? Like, that's, he just walked in and it's like, no, nah, I'm not, you want me to read a script? No, nah, I got this. I'm just going to, just going to yep. play me. Nope. So, um, Absolutely. I think if you compare this film to my absolute favorite, right? When Harry met Sally, there are some parallels mm. to be had about, um, you know, one, uh, you know, kind of being outside of the normal pocket of, of when people develop into these long lasting relationships. They're not in their early twenties, mm. just figuring out their career. They're established. I'm going to assume mid to late thirties and trying to figure out, uh, you know, the, the romantic underpinnings of it all. And whether or not they can remain friends or what is, what does it look like to be in this close proximity with this particular person that you also have an affection for? It's, it's a different film, but at the same time, I would look at it as a companion piece to where you can make the argument. Uh, when Harry met Sally, it's just what happens if Albert Brooks, you know, he's an asshole, but he still ends up making her fall in love with him. Like they're, they're besties. Right. If he but... doesn't, if he doesn't, if he doesn't completely suck. Yeah. Like you notice Billy yeah. Crystal at no point, even when she's getting in relationships with other people, he isn't like, man, fuck that motherfucker. That guy's a exactly shit. like that guy's a fucking devil. Like he plays it, you know, unbelievably Billy Crystal is the one who fucking plays it cool between these <laughs> two. He's just like, you know, I'm gonna do my own thing. And if something happens, something happens, I'll be there for her. If, if something bad happens, I'm yep. her friend. I could do both. I don't think. I think it's hard to believe that Albert Brooks really, really wants to only be her friend. Whereas in a movie like When Harry Met Sally, you can see, you see those moments, you know, where they're talking about, he's talking about that friendship when he's at the batting cage with Bruno Kirby. And it's like, no, no, we just, it's nice to get this other perspective because she's a woman and we're friends and nobody believes it. And eventually it blossoms into something else. In a kind and good way, and that is not what this. Movie no, but you're is. absolutely right. It Albert is. It is, is. It is high energy. Yeah. It is like everything is the end of the world, and it's like chill, 
chill, Albert. Like, just, Aaron, you need to fucking dial it back. Stop sipping quite so hard. He's more of a she simp. She knows. Than, like, when, when Harry met yeah. Sally, they're lateral, right? Like, there's no reacher settler. Even though um, there's there's a different level of attraction between the two, Billy Crystal, he's just so engaging and charismatic and confident. And then in the relationship in this film between uh, Holly Hunter and... Um, uh, now I just, I've said his name the entire film, but, uh, Albert Brooks, uh, they are the entire pod. Um, it's a reader, reacher settler relationship from jump. Like, I mean, the entire oh, time, yeah, for sure. You could never actually see it. And, but it's out. only, it's only that because he makes yes. it that way. Cause he's like, I, I know I'm not hot. I know I'm a piece of shit, but like, I'll treat you real good. Like, it's just like, so then when she obviously says no to this, because it's not. Not gonna happen. He's like, see, I even the first like, time, like, like so not the time when he tells her that he's in love with her after she said she's in love with someone else. That's awkward. It's it's the time when he was like, well, I wish you were two people. Uh, this is I've had I've had friends before that have tried certain lines on women when we were younger that you just know isn't gonna work. And this is one of those moments. He's sitting with her and he says, I wish there were two of you because I could tell my best friend about like how great of the person this this woman is that I care about. I'm like, oh my gosh, man. She's looking at you like, Jesus, don't do, don't ruin this friendship again. Like, shut up. This is how it opens. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. So to wrap up, um, this is another one of those movies on my list that I'm so glad I finally got to watch. There are moments where it's uncomfortable because of real life kind of trickling in for sure. It's hard to ignore that, especially because the – that news reappeared so recently. Sure. Uh, it's it's kind of a tough a tough watch in that way. But in terms of like a newsroom movie, in terms of a love triangle movie, like this is this is close to the top of the list. Like this is a really fun watch, even though it's longer than two hours. You never really feel the length of the movie. It just feels like yeah yeah we're on to the next thing. I think because it's so high energy. So I'm so glad I got a chance to watch this. So thank you for picking this off of the list. Uh, this was a really good choice, and I'm. Uh, I'm glad Mike was. That's, that's, <laughs> that's always a way to end uh, an episode. Thank God Mike's yes. in, Mike isn't here to ruin it all. Yes, an episode of a show that uh, we did not mention the name of. Uh, your list, my command. It's what you're listening to. That's what you're listening to right now. But hopefully, you know that. Uh, so, but on our next episode, oh, oh boy. boy. Finally, 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 I get Derek to watch a movie that he should be ashamed he hasn't seen, and we will talk about that next time, but we are finally watching the 19-hour documentary Hoop Dreams uh, (laughs) that should have been nominated for a Best Picture in 1994 um, when I saw it in the theater and Derek was not born or whatever. First grade. Uh, So that is what we're going to talk about next time. Um, If for some ungodly reason you want to contact us online, you can't uh, because Twitter <laughs> fucking sucks uh, and I'm off it. So, but if you want to follow us on Letterboxd, you can follow Derek at Daysu and I think mine's Dave A. Giannini. Uh, so follow us there. Uh, not that Derek ever updates that because I checked. G-I-A-N-N-I-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you did it. Very good. Yeah. So follow us there. And in a couple weeks, we will have an episode on Hoop Dreams. 